Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Comics Pals Reviews. We're still in search of a name for this show, so if you want to help us name it, drop a comment in the comment section below, wherever it is that you're listening to us. Subscribe for free on YouTube. Give us a follow, a rating, and a review, wherever else it is that you're listening to us. And check out our main show, The Comics Pals, which drops every single Monday. Someone you cannot find on The Comics Pals is Tyler. Hola. Someone you can find on The Comics Pals, just not this week, is Pete. Hola. Are we going to do this whole episode in Spanish? See. Si. No. Bien. <laughs> That's still Spanish. <laughs> Got me there. Got me there. <laughs> Oh, man. Today we're going to be talking about only two books. We really wanted to cut down our books for this week because of how big one of them is. Uh, We're talking about Batman, the Long Halloween special, number one. Oh, I haven't seen that cover. Well, I went with the the, the beautiful Two-Face cover because I didn't want the broken neck Batman. Um, That's classic Tim Sale. Yeah, well, you know what? This is also classic Tim Sale, and I like my Batman alive. So um, (laughs) we did that, and then we're also going to be talking about Inferno number two. Sick Jerome Pena cover. Yes, yes, beautiful cover. This was actually the last cover A that Midtown had. No way. Super. Yeah, I felt really lucky to get it. Was it like an Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, uh, jingle all the way situation? Almost, dude. It was hidden. It was like I, I was like, I'm not oh, leaving somebody here without a cover that. A. Someone yeah. Hit that. yeah. It was it was weirdly hidden. And I was like, well, it's mine now. Um, I spoke last time about how every issue cover of um this of Inferno number two, except for one, had Emma on it. And we're gonna talk about that later, but it's pretty clear why that is and why she is the main character represented on these covers let's start off with batman the long halloween special number one uh perfect timing for this book to come out although i guess better timing might have been when the long halloween part one or two came out um tim sales been been drawing it since so (laughs) yeah yeah uh it's been a while since we have seen anything from these two i think the last thing they did was uh was it Cap White? Yeah, Cap White, uh, which uh, almost sounds redundant, but uh, <sighs> Cap White, it also took forever to Cap come out. I think white. it was like, yeah, yeah. Wow. It like there was what uh, like a five year delay between issues or something like that. Yeah, something. Nuts. So they're they're not the most frequent of of creative teams, but that's fine because it's a little treat when we get them. Yeah, when they do come uh, together, um, it's for the good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exa- yes, exactly. And I think that um, at least in the case of Loeb, I think I only have ever liked his work when he was with uh Tim Sale. Really? I think so. I think okay. so. Okay. Um I, I think it's a hot take. I think I think it's a Sean Soapbox hot take right there. I didn't <laughs> I wasn't even trying. I just I just shot. They just fall uh, out why, of you. What what before we get into the review, what what is the one book that jumps out to you that he did that was great that wasn't with Tim Sale? I maintain that his Nova run with Ed McGinnis is really good. Okay. Um, I, I love Sam Alexander as a character. So just I have a soft spot there. It's just it was just like fun comics. And and McGinnis doesn't hurt. That, that's good stuff. His Hulk run, uh, maybe, maybe not so much. That but. was an abomination. Let's keep it real. Uh let's let's talk that's about good. that's good. Uh the long Halloween special. This takes place after 
the events of the long Halloween proper, which came as a, a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't th- I didn't realize that this was going to be a follow up. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what did you guys think about this? I mean, I was surprised that this was like a direct sequel. Like, <laughs> yeah, like this happens. What? Uh, directly after. Uh, which yeah. uh, it, at least it feels like it or at least maybe a year after or so, but, but close enough. Yeah. After. Um, yeah. I, I don't really know if it was really marketed as that it was really marketed as like, Hey, here's this new story in the Batman long Halloween saga by Jeff Lobitz himself, which right. enough to sell me right there. I don't need to know what it's about. Um, but going into this, uh, I, I, I liked it. I liked it. I think is it necessary for long Halloween viewers or, or readers? I don't know if it's necessary. It might show a little too much for what's left, maybe a little more ambiguous in the original story. Uh, it might over-explain things a bit. But um, if you're gonna say if this, you know, long Halloween special was a trick or a treat, it was it was a treat for me. Definitely Halloween, a treat for keeping me. the Halloween theme going there. I like that. By the yeah. Way. How about you, Pete? <laughs> Yeah, I, I enjoyed this as well. Um, <clears throat> I, I do think that my expectations for what it was going to be versus what it was were out of whack. Um, I don't know, like Tyler said, I don't know if it was the marketing or, or what have you, but I, I kind of got the vibe that it was going to be like like an annual or like something more like, you know, like self-contained and like episodic, not like a, you know, like a proper follow-up like we talked about. Um, but I think, I think it was good though. You know, I mean like these two together, um, for whatever reason, it's the special sauce. Uh, cause you know, it's funny, Sean, uh, when you asked the question of what are the Jeff Loeb stories that you would stand by that aren't from that run, I went and looked and I was like, Oh God, there's a lot of stuff I really hate <laughs> on this list. <laughs> so, you know, uh, no shade, but Jeff is definitely not somebody who always hits it out of the park for me. Um, but I think, for whatever reason, like this is one of the books that did, you know, like I, I think it, it had a good script. It, the art is really, really striking. Um, particularly, you know, just the way that, um, that Batman is drawn and like, like some of the close-ups on his eyes and stuff, there's like a real intensity to it. Um, that I feel like you don't get as much anymore, you know, like there was kind of a period where I feel like, you know, there were some more horror elements in the way Batman was portrayed, like on a real consistent level, you know, um, and not that you don't see that anymore, but um, it feels very much, you know, in line with with Long Halloween. Right. Um, and kind of that era. So I don't know. Um, it was not what I expected, but I I really found myself enjoying it. And, you know, I, I is it essential reading? No, probably not. But I think if you like, you know, um if you like just like a good down and dirty Batman story, I feel like this is a really good one, you know, when you can jump in without a lot of context. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this a lot. You know, I know there are a lot of people who just don't like it when we rehash things or go back and, you know, add to things and, you know, whatever, fine. But uh, I'm a sucker for that. If it's going to be good and this was good and it's not, um, it's not offensive. There's nothing here that really changes the long Halloween in any way. And if you never read this, you know, the story of the long Halloween still, it's not intrusive. Sure. Um, so I appreciate that. And then also, you know, 
I love the way it uses Two-Face. I've talked a lot about how Two-Face is my favorite DC villain. And Two-Face is a guy who, you know, you really just can't trust because there's two guys in one in one body, basically. Um, he's got a he's got a problem. And the pain that Batman and Jim Gordon feel about what happened with him is actually one of my favorite dynamics in all of comics. Yeah. They're just sad that this best friend that they had, this this crusader, this ally is bad. He's evil. That sucks. And I like here that Batman, who is a character that's not known for giving people second chances and stuff like that, is ready to do something dumb, to trust Harvey because of how bad he wants to believe that his friend can be redeemed. Yeah, and I, I thought that was really compelling, and it, it was good to play it, I think, that way specifically, right? Because it feels less like, um, I don't know, like it, 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 it's not only good because of the drama of that moment, but it's very humanizing for Batman, who's a character who you can very easily make feel um, super cold and robotic and, you know, like a lot of things that are not a warm person who wants to believe, you know, in the best in people. Right. Um, seeing that vulnerability and then seeing that, you know, um, that faith ultimately be misplaced uh, is compelling, you know. Yeah, uh, completely agreed. I thought this was great. I love there's a way that Jeff Loeb is able to kind of like. Take a small moment and make it really emotional. And that happens a few times here. You know, Solomon Grundy's pieces i thought had that effect some of the stuff between gilda and harvey i just even even robin and batman showing up for the trick-or-treating like that's just <laughs> so like that, that was just a great moment I, I liked the the fact that you know like long halloween is a good batman story but i think it's a good gotham story because of all the different characters and it, it weaves yeah. together um and and one of the things that really stuck out to me is what you mentioned is that this doesn't reset the story like by the end of this story we're back to where we were so it was just I mean, outside of i think is the introduction of robin in the long halloween verse sure. i guess um that's really the only real big thing that happens and you know harvey and gilda are you know on on the run now but yeah it's just seeing the dynamic between you know uh, gordon batman and harvey is great but also like we got a final. We finally got a good calendar man story. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we've had one. Like, if you look up calendar man, if you like Google him, you'll get the, you know, Tim Sale drawing that you know is in Long Halloween. But there's not much of calendar man in Long Halloween. He's kind of a, a side player. He's like the main villain of this special, which I thought was fun. They made him um, formidable, which yeah. I didn't didn't really think of him as. You know, he's like one of those side characters that you don't care about. I think that the most I've seen of him was uh, Arkham Arkham City, was it? Uh, the video game? I think, yeah, I think that was the one where he had a role. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I cannot remember his role in that, honestly. So It was a side thing where you had to collect different count. Cal- uh, you, you'd go to him on certain days, like IR, like if it was Halloween in real life, you set your PlayStation or whatever to oh, Halloween. Yeah. He would talk to him and he would give you like a like new Easter eggs or something. But there was an achievement for getting all, all the holidays together, so. Sorry, I love that game. It's really good. It's a great game. Um, the artwork in this is beautiful. Oh, there so was good. some there was some like Tim Sale 
hate in our discord this week, which was a little odd. What? Block them. Um, Block them. I don't need that negativity. <laughs> yeah, but this was this was great. Um, I, I, I like his style. It's very simple, um, but it really gets across the moodiness of Gotham. Uh, Brennan Wagner did a great job, too, on the colors. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect partner for tim i don't i don't know brennan so i can't say yeah not the original uh colorist the original colorist was gregory wright um, for what i'm seeing but it it works i mean for for tim sale to do this this well 25 years later yeah it's insane that's nuts yeah i don't know there's just something about wow what the fuck i (laughs) so i'm sorry i googled tim sale because i wanted to like look at again like lists and be like what like what has he even done that's not good and the first people also ask question is is tim sale a good artist is this like a common thing why do you google that who's googling who's googling that right that's subjective uh sorry that fucked me up that fucked me up a little (laughs) bit all right uh but anyway i i um i feel like he just has like a really classic style you know like it's timeless uh, and I think for like a book like this or like, you know, um, the color series or whatever that like want to play on nostalgia a little bit, but also actually build something that's new and unique and fresh rather than just, you know, playing the hits. Um, I really feel like he's such a perfect artist for that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, this was great. I would say pull it, pull it. I think yeah, absolutely. If, yeah. I'm very curious well, as, how this gets collected going forward. Is this going to be added to future long Halloween printings? I mean, they said um, it was at the end of the issue. It was like, that's it for now. So I'm guessing that there's going to be more to this story and they'll probably do like a long Halloween two or whatever. Lo- the longer Halloween. The longest long- Halloween. Halloween. Oh, yeah. I would love that. At the um, end of the longest Halloween. <laughs> the so, end yeah. of the book is like just Batman and Gordon just being like, hey, man. That really was a long Halloween. And then it just like fades to black. So we established that the long Halloween special was a treat. Inferno number two, though, presents us with maybe the greatest trick in the history of X-Men comics. Oh, yeah. Go on. Yeah. Let's get oh, right into uh, it. What is, is the trick inside the actual book or the fact that uh, it was Caselli? Because <laughs> um, uh, I would I would debate the Caselli one because I love Stefano Caselli. Anytime he's on a book, I'm like, fuck yes, it's Stefano Caselli. I wasn't talking about that. I, I okay. think Caselli's great. Uh David Curiel did a great job too coloring him. This was a great looking comic. Mm-hmm. I don't yep. know if Caselli's ever looked better than this. Um Joe Sabino did the letters, and of course, Tom Muller, the designer of the X Books. The book opens with a sequence that shows us exactly what we all wanted to know, which is how Destiny is alive again. How was she resurrected? Only Professor Xavier could have signed off on such a thing. And he did. Sort of. It's pretty pretty good swerve. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt like... Uh enough of a swerve to be a swerve but you're like oh yeah of course that's what fucking happened right like we talked about like oh like mystique obviously orchestrated it it's just like what how did it happen and i feel like this very succinctly gives us a satisfying answer to that and then it's like okay let's move on 
Right. Because there's a lot more to get through. Yeah. And this is all stuff we saw last issue, too. We just are seeing it in a new light, which is which is fun. I want to I want to start this review by letting you guys know we're going to go through the book, not necessarily page by page, but close to it. And we're going to discuss and review it. And then we're going to get into our theories. I have a lot of thoughts and things to share that this issue brought to light. Uh, so, yeah, that that opening sequence was great. I like seeing how Mystique pulled this off. Um, she could have done it at any time. You know, it, it, it's it's a very obvious plan. But there are moments later on that kind of reveal why she did it. We know everything. You know, we're kind of in the know on basically every angle on this story. But they're not. So Mystique isn't aware why they won't bring Destiny back. It's not something that she necessarily at first thought, oh, there's a real great reason why they won't do it. Maybe it's because she's been a villain. Maybe it's because there's a waiting list. Maybe, maybe, maybe things that are reasonable, but she got frustrated enough to not want to wait anymore. So she still to this moment doesn't know why they wouldn't bring her back. I like the idea of a Krakoan waiting list. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel a waiting room there with the cradle. I feel like she probably thought that their ulterior motive was that they needed to they needed to be able to leverage that against her, right? Because they were asking a lot of her over and over again and stuff that she might not have agreed to if they didn't have that over her, right? Yeah. Um, but obviously it goes so much deeper than she could have realized. Yeah, I I think that's a that's a big part of it too. Uh, by the way, seeing that sinister knew exactly what was going on in that moment and didn't care so funny i thought it was great yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's that's screwed up to, what i think most of the uh like two of the other uh quiet council members only make this this shit this the 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 vote out of uh pettiness really which yeah. i enjoy i enjoy how pettiness is running rampant on Krakoa. it's great this this is the worst council. Like they really, <laughs> they suck, bro. Like I, the one thing about this that I didn't like was there was a line of dialogue that I was just like, this makes no fucking sense to me. No sense. Which okay. is that Nightcrawler's like, it's probably pointless, but I'll vote yes. Cause I think it will please you mother. And thus it would please me to do so. And like, it's not unrealistic to think that somebody would be like, I'll vote with my mother. But the idea of like, eh, it probably won't matter who becomes one of the leaders of our nation. Sure. Like, what are you fucking talking about, Kurt? Every other person that you're allied with, I guess, except for Emma, like votes. No, don't. That doesn't. No red flags. Okay. Kurt is a good little Christian boy. I know. All right. He just no. listens. Listen, he, he, uh, he listens to his his elders. You know, I just I was it, just like, what are you doing, my man? What are you doing? I feel like there were there were some problems with that scene in general, even, you know, in addition to what you just pointed out, Pete. Um, it's kind of frustrating that they don't address the fact that somebody who's been dead for a really long time is now up for the up for vote to be on the council. No one is interested in that. And like the fact that Professor X raises the point about the fact that like I didn't sign off on her resurrection. We still don't know how that happened, but let's vote on this first. Like let's let let's make her a leader of our nation before we solve what's happened. Like what? Right. Like why? And what are the rules of behind this like anyone can suggest anyone at all and you have to vote on it right then and there there's no like 
veto. There's like there's no way around it. That's just hey, how it has to be. The, the mutants saw how filibuster works out, you know. So they're like, those <laughs> human rules, they suck. We gotta just do this our own way. Yeah, so that that was kind of frustrating. Um, but I don't think this book is lesser for that. No, scene. no, it's fine. Uh, one thing though that getting back to the the mystique uh, bit at the beginning, she gives the a cerebro to Hope, and that doesn't make any sense because Hope can't just use cerebro. Hope is not inherently natively psychic; she gets her powers from other people. So what? psychic was present that allowed her to use this is the well isn't the implication that she's borrowing professor x's power but i guess he has to be professor x isn't there right she she could have actually known that that wasn't professor x Mm. but yeah i don't i don't see how she could have how this could have worked Hmm. that's true i mean i guess if she's on Krakoa, she could just make anyone's power at that point right uh, I don't know, because she's isn't she an Omega level mimic? Sure. Yeah. So. I mean, there's I mean, she's just a dance ex machina, really, but um, I guess on Krakoa, you could do whatever. Uh, yeah, I thought I, I didn't even think of that. So you brought it up. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, that was she was she was a telepath during Messiah War, I think. But uh, the whole hope cable thing is it's its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. One thing I really did like was this the stuff between Mystique and Destiny. Their relationship is something that I've not seen much of in comics. I don't think that there are a ton of books that are about that anyway, but I've not read the ones that feature Destiny. So seeing them together was great. And um, one major bit that I liked was Mystique having to kind of reckon with the person that she's become since yeah. Destiny died. That was yeah. great. That whole one page where I think it was like four panels yeah. or, or four or five. It was like the, the stages of grief, really. Yeah. yeah. Of, of them coming to terms with each other after being away for so long was was a real good, like just single page character piece. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was very moving. I also like I don't know much about Destiny, to be honest, mm-hmm. like no. as a character, I, I, at least recently, she has not been relevant since I've read comics, really. Same. Um, uh, I'm sure she does have some relevancy in previous, you know, stories, but it's not none, none to me. I think the only thing I've ever seen her in is X-Men Evolution, in which she is also like it's a much different version of her, obviously. But I remember Mystique having like a blind, you know, friend um, who was like her weird oh, partner. In OK, crime, you know, um, I, I did a lot of looking into Destiny before inferno one because i wanted some more context for her and she has had some stories that did matter about her there was one called the books of destiny which is an actual like series of books that she kind of wrote or whatever that tell the future or that have implications for the future and they played into a lot of stories in like the early 2000s if i remember correctly um, where different characters were trying to get them for different reasons but that was after she had already died, if I remember correctly. Um, she's not inherently evil, though. It doesn't it doesn't no, feel neither is Mystique. So I I think they, they both run in this kind of gray area that's only kind of amplified while in Krakoa. Yeah. 
So Mystique basically bribed everybody who's a villain to vote for Destiny. And I liked that. Um, one of them was a little too easy for me. Um, what's his name? Um, Shaw. Was it not uh, Shaw? Is it um, Jenna? No, not Genesis. It's uh, Exodus. It's Exodus. Exodus. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Purple. Exodus Man. was that was a little too easy for me, but um, I, it's exactly what Mystique would do, and I'm not terribly surprised it worked because they filled this council with villains. Yeah, or or, or ex villains, and in a way, as Shaw is still a fucking villain. Yeah, um, but I, I'm just happy to see a Mystique story. You know, like Mystique's such a good character. Let's um, talk about that. Who are the protagonists in this story? Personally, I think I think we're 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 seeing the story. I feel like through like a Mystique Destiny point of view. Like yeah. I think they're the ones we're supposed to be empathize with. Like Charles, Moira, and Magneto not looking too great right now no as as characters like that whole idea that they bring up where like yeah we have this quiet council but magneto and professor x are really the ones that are pulling the strings these two old white men um you think they want to learn from humans um but like that i never really thought of that you know like like there's this whole i don't know if it's propaganda but this whole idea that you know the quiet council they kind of reign over all mutants and they help them it's not really it seems like it's more of a for show thing and maybe maybe this is the downfall of that which you know what bring it on what do you think pete yeah i mean i think i think you're making a compelling point there i i think i think there's a bit of ambiguity still because like you know i think um Professor X and Magneto chose to not take the easy way out, right? Of just like killing them and like covering it up and exerting their their power in that way, even though to your point, Tyler, I think that would have definitely been an option. Sure. Um Magneto's just not trying to go go back on trial. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, trouble. isn't he still concurrently on trial? He's wearing the black suit in this one too. So nah, this is this is post, but yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, you know, I, I think I think with that in mind, like it's not to say that they that they aren't doing shady things, but like I think that like their their overall goal is still an altruistic one, whether or not you you feel like the means by which they're going uh, about it are, are dubious or not is you know um, I think is a fair debate to to pose, right? But ultimately, like they have a higher knowledge than the people in the Quiet Council, and there's a reason for that, right? You just mentioned it to consolidate mutant power they needed to give a bunch of dubious people um positions of power right fair political Uh, yeah it was it was a political choice to fill the council with you know villains ex-villains schemers you know um because you know those are people who a lot of mutants follow and they needed to be united and if all of the quiet council knew what magneto and professor x know I don't think that would be a good thing. Um, and that's kind of where I come down on it, where, like, they have done some villainous shit. And, you know, I agree with the entire, like, the pride before the, comes before the fall thing that we've been talking about for a while now. Um, but I feel like 
I empathize with Mystique and Destiny, but what they're doing is not good for mutant kind. Um, they just don't know that yet, right? Um, or at least I don't think it will be good for mutant kind. I think if they if they kill Moira, then right, the slate's wiped and we're fucked. We're back at square one. Um, if they reveal it, then we're back at this point where a lot of really, really morally dubious people are aware of a very, very powerful and valuable person that they can try to control and manipulate and do a bunch of things that, not to say that Magneto and Charles aren't doing that, but they're doing it with the goal of establishing Krakoa as a sustainable future for mutants. And I believe that that's an altruistic goal. Um whether or not they're willing to do some shitty things in the name of that, I mean, that's running a country, right? I'll share my thoughts on that a little later. Um, so Destiny gets voted onto the council. It, it goes through. She's a member. I thought that that would go differently. Not that, not that I was really concerned with whether she would get voted on or not but more that I was expecting that she would instantly recall Moira. And that's not what happens. It didn't happen in issue one either, obviously, but we see that she's kind of, there's some blockage there. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering what's up with that. My, my thought was that she's been dead a long time and a lot of things have happened that have created a bunch of these kind of like fracturing possibility like future possibilities right like think about because like the way that resurrection works is that they bring you back from the moment that you were last scanned right so if that was years ago and she had you know to her she was just alive seconds ago to her mind right and the way that her power interprets reality i would imagine it's just like she's being flooded with information because so many variables have changed since the last time that she assessed the future that's kind of been my interpretation of it is that she's still piecing things together, but eventually it's going to click into place. The other thing is like, once you add like Mr. Sinister into the mix too, when you get to the geneticism, like can they alter her power set, you know, as like a, like a backup for this happening. Well, we know that he can to some degree because of the chimeras. He can make chimeras. Yeah. Right. So he does have control over power sets in a way. Yeah. And this and Mr. Sinter's always playing like 4D chess. So <laughs> I mean shit, he makes a comment about that in this issue. Like he makes a joke yep. about like about the fact that he's like, Oh yeah, like I'm just like pretending to to just be you know, to just be agreeable and help you out for no reason. Right? Like that great like mustache, I, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he got a he got a new mustache. Yeah. So I I don't know. So we get a scene between, you know, the triumvirate of Moira, uh, Magneto, and Xavier, and Moira's pissed. Uh, she's <laughs> pissed that they failed to prevent Destiny from getting resurrected. Now she's on the council, and they, she wants them to kill her, which is, I mean, that's, that's, that's heavy. She's ready for Destiny to be dead in order to prevent her from locating or knowing that Moira exists. And I know I said we would keep our theories for the end, but I have to say this because I think Moira is the villain of the story. And I think that Moira is working on a mutant cure. Oh, 
Damn, that's a really good theory. That's a really good theory. I think that she is. She's always been doing right. That's why Destiny doesn't want her existing. It's the only reason why Destiny told her, shape your shit up and do what's right for human beings or, or for mutant kind, or I'll kill you every life. And this is the this is the life where Moira seems to be doing the most right, but is the most concerned with Destiny staying dead. Why would Destiny want to kill her if she's doing the right thing? I think Moira has a big secret, and I think it's that she's trying to find a way to erase mutants so that there is no end to mutant kind in a, you know, sentinel end of the end of the race kind of way she just says i'm taking control of this i'm ending it for me this is my last life and it's the last life for all of you too interesting another no no more mutant situation going on yeah, yeah. she's the pretender she's definitely getting a little more a little more mustache twirly villain in this like even those particular panels where like she starts going to like rage mode yeah like she just popped in rage yeah. and she's you know <laughs> And the panel is just red. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. That's a not used to seeing that from her. So I'll tell you what. She's, now that you yeah. point that out, Sean, having all the mutants on one island is pretty convenient way to uh, wipe them all out at once, huh? Yeah. And especially all the medicine that they've developed, all this science shit, this Krakoan science they're doing. We, we don't know how much of a hand she has in all that. And she also has a lot of free time. A, a metric ton of <laughs> think? time. Yeah. yeah, she she just caught up on Squid Game. Actually, she's been a little a little busy. <laughs> and also, we know that Orcus is at least aware that something is happening in Paris as it relates to the mutants. They know something. They don't know that Moira exists, but I think the vibe I get is that they think that whatever's happening in Paris has to do with the fact that mutants can clearly resurrect themselves in X Men. Yeah. We know that Orcus has figured that out. Yep. And now they're on to Paris, which there's a great scene here where we see that as Mystique apparently is trying to access files about what's happening in Paris, Xavier blocks that off. Right. Yeah, so that was that was a little I was like, ah, not making me like Xavier anymore, you know. <laughs> Some yeah. something's definitely going. Yeah, they, yeah, they're hiding yeah. something, which it's weird. It's like it's like weird, like all these years, like to be like, oh, maybe Professor. I mean, we all know Professor X has been an, an asshole. Like, let's be real throughout throughout. <laughs> I think there's like a, a web comic called Professor X is, is a dick or something like that. Um, but like seeing that on, on, on the page and like something is going on in paradise right now. Uh, I don't really have any theories, but like I'm just enjoying this ride a lot. Me too. That's kind of where I'm yeah. at. I know with the Hickman story, I've theorized Hickman stories enough where it, it just it's not worth it. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't have that brain, and there's no point in me, but you know, even trying. But 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 your theory, Sean, is upsetting and good. <laughs> well, I, I think because I think that she's the character, Moira, that you can really play with because everybody else kind of has to exist within a certain spectrum of action. They can't go too far in one direction because then, you know, sure. you, you know, you have to waste time for years trying to redeem them. Moira, you can do whatever you want with. And she's the one that 
Jonathan Hickman specifically wanted to tell a story about. I don't think he's going to make Professor Xavier and Magneto ultimately bad. I think that they're being played and everybody but Moira is being played. Speaking of being played, Emma Frost. That was clearly, crazy. Yeah, that was major. You want to talk about, you know, a bombshell. This issue features the triumvirate bringing in a fourth or trying to and letting Emma know what's really going on. And that sequence where we see her going through the same experience that Charles had when Moira let Charles scan her mind. Emma went through that exact same paneling. That was fantastic. I loved that. That was amazing. Yeah. I loved that visual callback. Um, yeah, I was so surprised by her reaction to it. I, I was and wasn't. You know, Emma reacting to something in a cold way like that is classic Emma. And Emma's sure. one of my probably like top three favorite X-Men characters. Um, it's up there with like Cyclops and Wolverine. But her, her reaction to this makes makes sense. You know, she is yeah. changed herself and evolved so much through the years, even before Krakoa. And to be not, you know, to be left out of this crucial information is probably super offensive for her. You know, like she says, like she's no longer loyal to these guys. Yeah. She and, trusts them, but she's not loyal to them. So and I, I get that. I think you're you're right. That, that that does make sense, but I I guess I'm thinking of it in the context of like having all the cards, right? Where it's like, yeah, they didn't tell a lot of people though, right? Like they're sure, yeah. you know, um like Storm, right, is like a, a leader and a pillar of the X Men and has known Charles for decades and I didn't tell her either, right? Like, you know, it's very sensitive information, you know, and yeah. I, I understand that being her initial reaction, but I guess I'm kind of surprised that because of all that growth that she's done, that there wasn't any, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I guess I maybe expected cooler heads to prevail a little bit, but like, no, she like, she cut that bridge right there. <laughs> let me, let me offer a thought about why she made that decision. I, I think it's important that we remember that Krakoa doesn't mean the same thing to everybody else that it means to Charles and Magneto because they understand that Krakoa's success is the thing that can prevent the annihilation of mutant kind that they know always happens. For everybody else, this is like the greatest thing that's ever happened. This is a joyous paradise, and there's not a threat to this, not a real one. But Professor X and Magneto know that there's a threat that's existential that always arises and always annihilates them no matter what they do. So Emma is a character who for the last 20 years has been concerned with the future of mutant kind. She's obsessed with making sure that the kids are all right. Yep. And this is basically saying now the kids are never all right. They've never been all right. And by the way, she could think because she doesn't know everything we know. She could think that the fact that they knew what was going to happen means that they knew about the massacres uh, on Genosha. And it means that they've known about all these preventable, otherwise preventable things. She could think that about them. That's fair. Yeah. I didn't think about going that far back. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Cause she does ask how long and they don't actually answer that. And, and I think I, 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 I'll look through it now, but I think her next line is 
you know, whatever to protect the children or something to that nature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the last thing she says is how long, and then they say, you feel left out, it's understandable, blah, blah, blah. And then she says, of course, for the children, you've manipulated yeah. me for years, right? So she doesn't know, to your point, how long this has been going on. It could have been forever, right? Right. And again, it has been. This story started for us, what, two years ago? Right. But in the comics, this has been going on forever. They've always known Charles and 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 uh, and Magneto. Right. Great, what, great moment. Go ahead. What do you think is in the box that Mystique gave Emma? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> so that yeah, is actually... The, 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 I don't have an answer to that actual question, but the scene where she gets the box is the answer to one of these sinister uh, questions. Oh, this okay. Is, yeah, this is actually the reveal of a sinister secret. Um, the, the secret was Emma, how, how will Emma go about getting what she wants? Um, will it be by force or will she take it or will it be given to her, basically? And we got our answer here. It was given to her. This is something that she's been after, as we know, since like X-Men 21 or something. And she finally has it. As for what's in it, we don't know. It could be the logic diamonds that she was after before the logic crystals. Um, I think those were were given back in in the Wolverine book, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you want to talk Um, about the... uh... The Colossus part of the end there? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the the leaders, Professor Xavier and Magneto, decide that they need to bring on someone who is loyal to them. <laughs> and they choose none other than Colossus. And most people will look at that and say, well, why does that matter? Tyler, why don't you tell everybody why it does? Yeah, because in X-Force, we realize that Colossus is a sleeper agent for his brother, uh what's it um, mikhail i believe Mikhail, yes yes yeah mikhail rasputin who is trying to destroy mutantdom in russia so what the fuck why is colossus doing that uh so the, i guess there's a mutant in russia that is called the chronicler who yep. can write he, he writes down on paper and he can control someone's death or like life really by writing it down fuck. so what he writes down and he's just connected with Colossus as his his point of view character. So he's controlling him that way. Yeah, Colossus just killed his wife in the previous X-Force issue. Oh so spoilers for that. <laughs> fuck. That's fucked up. That makes this yeah. so much more crazy. Because like <laughs> out, outside of this, Colossus is like the most loyal, like perfect mutant. Like if you're Professor X, this makes sense. It completely does. But you also think what Professor X would be able to read that something's off here. You know, dude. But, OK, so you missed a detail. Professor X in the last issue of uh, X-Force says to Colossus, hey, I need to talk to you about something. I think that Professor Xavier knows exactly Hmm. what's happening with Colossus and that he's that's why his last line in this book is we have someone we can trust. I, I thought that cliffhanger was just a lead into this. Uh, he's yeah. just talked to him because he wants him on the quiet council. Right. Yeah. I don't but why, but why specifically Colossus? There were some people saying that it was because Colossus is just a trustworthy person. That's how trying I to stuff it, yeah. the council. 
with yeah. people that they can rely on. But I think that there's something more to the fact that it was specifically him. It could be the other way that it just it's just another domino that falls against yeah. the favor of Xavier that he just so happens to pick the mutant who's mind controlled right now. Yeah. But I think that Xavier yeah, would know whoops. that. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would think Xavier would know that, but I feel like outside of like Cyclops, Colossus is the next best bet in terms of like a good soldier, you know, um, especially like a, like a gentle giant sort of soldier. He can't do anything wrong. Why would he, you know, but sure. uh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's also a, I also like how this is letting me know what are the uh, what's required reading. You know, I know they have like a checklist of Inferno books in, in the back, but um, well, that's just yeah, a general uh, checklist. You know, they always do that. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. But like I can read Marauders and not have to worry about anything. But like, oh, X-Force is one of the essential reading books. Right. So I thought it, it, it's so, I was going to say it's rewarding for the people who have like read Every like I've read everything that's come out in the X Men line, so I feel and good. <laughs> that's the best part about Big Two Comics is when you yeah, yeah. know more, you get more. I love that. Um, yeah. I thought this issue was great. I know that there were a lot of people who were annoyed by the political aspects of this book, but if you're here now at this point, I don't see how you could have a problem with that. It is what this era has been you know some of the best moments have been those things sean comics aren't political though i can't believe they're showing me shoving these krakoan politics down my throat like. i forgot my bad <laughs> yeah um, i don't know i mean like to me like that's that's the appeal of this era like that's what's been the selling point and i think like the best moments the most memorable moments like those those have been those things, right? When we, at least for us, when we think back on the issues that we've connected with the most, it's been the like high political theater stuff, you know? Um, it's, it's the, you know, issue where they go and meet with all those world leaders, right? Like it's, it's that, that was the promise of, of house and powers, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't know, like if, if that doesn't vibe with you, then I get it, right? Like this whole era is probably not, a lot of it is probably not up your alley. Um, but I don't know if you want like the meat and potatoes superhero stuff, like that's what the current runs doing now. Right. So go read that book. Yeah. Go read X-Men proper. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. You'll get your fix there. So I want to talk about the art and then I have one more theory before we close out. So the art is gorgeous. We said that up front. Um, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Obviously we all wanted Pepe Larraz to be here for this, to close out the story. Unfortunately, we didn't get that, but, um, you know, I think that the creative teams that they've chosen, the artists that they've chosen so far, two out of four issues have knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Sally does a fantastic job. The redrawn um, panel uh, page here from House and Powers looks great, as I pointed out. The Emma one, um, right? Sorry? The Emma one where she's. Yeah, that's what I yeah, meant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, Moira, by the way, looks phenomenal. I'm loving the boots. She's just dressed for the occasion, as always. Uh, it's just a fantastic-looking comic. There are some great facials here. Look at Mystique's face. I'm holding up the panel for you guys on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Can you see that? Caselli's like just facial emotional work has been top tier since like the Civil War era. Yeah. He was uh, the artist on Initiative, which was like one of my favorite books that I, I got into. Like one of the first favorite books that I ever had. One. 
I love the Ventures Initiative. So I've been a Caselli fan for over a decade at this point. Gee, decades? Dude, that was, might be in decades. that was 15 yeah. years ago. That was 15 years oh, okay. ago. Okay, so not decades, but yeah. yeah I, it's, it's been a while. I felt like all of the pages that had um, Mystique, like... In a, in a montage moment were really really strong like a lot yeah. of the shots of her like mid mm-hmm. you know transformation and stuff like that like really really good yeah um some just some fantastic paneling there was one sequence that had a lot of people frustrated and I, I i sympathize and i i actually felt the same way and it's the one where mystique uh goes to um uh the house of x factor or whatever with the, the cradle this, where this they seen right here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where she, who, who is this mutant again? I for, I'm forgetting her name. Sage. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't exactly clear that when, when Sage walks back in, that's mystique. That, that threw a lot of people off. Um, um okay. That's fair. I did a double take when I read through it personally. Yeah. I, I think I may have done a double take, but I, I don't know. That didn't throw me off. I think what 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 got me was that she has to clear her throat to get the vo- voice recognition down, because mm. um, it doesn't work originally. The which maybe that's just not clear because of the writing. I don't think it's an art issue. Um, okay, but like she it like she says security automation disengaged and it doesn't work, and then she goes, <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah. So if you guys are ready, I wanted to present one last uh, theory here. Yeah, it's a it major is. one. Okay. So in this issue, there is a sequence during which Omega Sentinel, mm, okay. Karima, speaks with Nimrod. And the quote at the front of this comic is, see what I really am. So in their conversation, uh, let me pull up the actual pages, but she tells Nimrod, okay, I, I got it here. Uh, she, so they, so Nimrod is telling her, yeah, you know, you've been watching me. I've noticed you've been watching me. And she says, you've been online for what many here on this station would consider a short time. But we both know you've been running simulations in tandem, aging up. And he says, it's efficient. She says, I know. I've just been waiting for you to get where you need to be. And Nimrod says, and where is that? And she says, here and now, I think. So you can look at me and see me for what I really am. My theory is that this Omega Sentinels from Life 9. There is a theory that's been floating around that if you go into a black hole, if you are in a black hole at the same time that Moira dies, you do not get reset. And so my theory is that Omega Sentinel is the one from Life 9, and she remembers everything that happened. Oh. And that the other characters that she was in there with, including Lady Rasputin, are all coming. Damn. That's crazy. I mean, I don't know, man. You've thrown out things that I thought sounded crazier than that, and they've come to pass. So I feel like, I don't know, you might be able to take that one to the bank. That's pretty good. The old black hole method, huh? The way she speaks to him suggests that she has a knowledge yeah. of the future. Or I, so, oh, something. Yeah. Yeah. What I, I thought was that maybe the reveal is that she is a mutant. Well, 
Yeah. And like, because he's his whole thing is like, oh, I'm going to destroy you. And maybe this is the beginning of a face turn for Nimrod that we didn't expect. Would be the first time in this whole story we got a, a mutant that wasn't we didn't know was a mutant previously. You mean a face turn for Omega Sentinel? Well, and Nimrod. And Nimrod. Like this, this that. is her. This is her kind of showing, like, oh, you see what I am. You see I'm a mutant, and you see I'm no threat. You've been watching me. Like this is like a way of like if these are a robot uh, with consciousness. There's yeah, the guess, idea, of, you yeah. know, of like the 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 robot going against its its prime directive sort of thing. Um, and maybe that's the future that Destiny has been seeing. That Moira has been stopping Nimrod from maybe being their savior, and she's been lying this whole time. Fuck! Oh, that's forty oh, chests right there, bro. Oh, that just connected to me, huh? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! The only way that that could be the case is if Moira, if what we see in Powers is Moira's telling of the events not the actual reality sure like like when 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 she gets mind read right yeah yeah i i feel like there is something there that she's not letting them see because if she has so much experience with professor x she would have that ability well she would have the the power to control what he can see and i mean she would have to have that power for what sean's suggesting about her having an ulterior motive to be possible, right? She'd need to be able to hide part of her memory um, or she couldn't safely have Charles and Emma around, you know? It's interesting. I mean, if I'm thinking of like what the ultimate swerve could be, it's, it's Moira's bad or Nimrod's good. (laughs) Or both. That would be wild. That would be, or yeah, or both. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea too. Um, We'll see. We'll see. I feel like those characters, though, like Lady Rasputin and whoever else, they weren't introduced for nothing. Fair. Yeah. I think they got to come here. Yeah. But I don't know what they add. I I agree, because why would we do multiple issues in the future if that stuff was never going to come back into play? You'll swerve. That's why. Sure. Maybe. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like Hickman doesn't put pieces on the board for no reason that's fair yeah Yeah. well we've only got two issues left (laughs) if you can believe that and that definitely doesn't sound like enough there's no chance in hell that jonathan hickman is going to resolve all of this within the the next two issues no chance yeah and and inferno is going to burn everything down sean i wonder does anything usually rise from ashes that uh of, of things that get burnt down Oh yeah! Oh no! Oh yeah! <laughs> Goblin Gold Phoenix. Oh right, never mind. <laughs> um, I think Emma is going to be the new leader of Krakoa after this. That's my call. Totally right cool now. with that. Totally cool with that. I love yeah, Emma. I'm down. I don't hate it. Um, and I think issue three is going to have some crazy reveals and and moments. I think this issue was a little bit of a downturn from the first one, just in terms of pace and action, but I loved it. I thought it was great. This series is amazing. I say pull it. If you, I mean, if you're, if you're on for Hickman's uh, X-Men stuff, how could you not pull this? This is, yeah. this is it. This is the main this is event. Have to be. This is what you've been yeah. waiting for. Be a yeah. real dummy not to. Yeah. I'd say exactly. pull it. pick of the week. 
You got to check it out. Yeah. Pick of the week for sure. Uh, let's quickly talk about what we're excited for next week. For me, it's definitely human target. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll add human target, but I am excited for uh, the thing number one coming out next week from Marvel Comics, uh, mostly because it is drawn by Tom Riley, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, Tom Ooh, Riley, yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, I believe he did the X Men issue of uh, the Marvel follow up, like the Marvel the or Marvels, whatever the Alex Ross thing was. He did that. Um, I have a. Tom Riley drawn Sabretooth and Mystique commission. So I'm like Sick. a big, big fan of Tom Riley and, and, and a nice uh, thing book, you know, with, with the gravitas that uh, uh, Infernal holds um, having a story about the ever loving blue eyed thing. It's a nice palate cleanser next week. So fair enough. Uh, by the way, human target is Tom King and Greg Smallwood. Yes. Uh, I don't know pretty much anything about human target, but I know enough to be excited because of the creative team involved. This is going to be great. It was a TV show, actually. I Target. Yeah. 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 I think for me, it's just right. Like Tom King on a character that I don't know anything about is often a winning formula. So. <laughs> and from the solicits and the art we've seen, this seems to be like a, a, a stealth uh, Justice League International story, which I am perfectly OK with. Cool. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us here today on the review series. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our conversations about both the long Halloween special number one and Inferno number two, write in to share your thoughts about those books. You can do so by getting us at the comics at gmail.com. You can leave us a comment in the comment section of any podcast hosting platform you're on while you're there, follow rating review and on YouTube, subscribe for free, like the video, share it with your friends. And of course, leave us a comment. We read all our comments on the air every single week on our main show, the comics pals, which drops every Monday. You can listen to us, read your comments and talk about all the characters you love and all the different places you can find them and all the cool stuff that's going on with them. This week, we spoke about DC fandom. So if you want to hear us talk about that and how cool it was, Go check that out. Our most recent book club, Eternals, is out now. Go listen to that if you are preparing to see the movie, uh, which is getting interesting reviews. We'll be talking about that. Uh, Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Very interesting. Definitely. So if you want to hear us talk about that, tune into the Comics Pals this upcoming Monday. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. We will see you guys next time. Until then, take care. See See you guys. guys.